Hello, 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 everyone. Yes, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Tamar Beckford Show. Okay, today we are about to have fun because we're going to learn all about this theme that we've had for the last couple of guests, but this one is an additional excitement. It's about the kids. Yeah. Yes, I know you're thinking like, what? The kids, yes, we're talking about pediatric readiness. We're gonna be talking about kids' health education. We're gonna be talking about health disparities in the children. Now, I know you're like, oh my God, this is really great, but I might not catch all of this. Where can I get all this info? Mm. Have no fear because you know we have your back. So you can get this entire podcast on our Your Caring Docs website. Just select podcast and you'll see our guest's beautiful face. Click <laughs> boom, listen here, and you'll be able to capture all of this. That's if you're on the run and you can't catch it all today. Now, if you are a doctor who's doing amazing things like this, sister doc here, and you're gonna find out, then you can also get on the podcast. Just send me an email at drbeckford at yourcaringdocs.com to book. Keep in mind we are booked out three months in advance. Why? You're going to find out because all of you amazing docs out there who are doing amazing things, I want you all on this podcast. So we're booked out a little bit in advance, but that's okay. Don't stop. You know, I love, love, love having you on. All righty. Without further ado, let me bring on this wonderful sister doc of ours, right? All right. So this doctor, she is a graduate of Tufts University School of Medicine in Boston, right? She did her residency in Children's Hospital of Oakland. She then, because, you know, that wasn't enough, those three years were just like not enough for her. She was like, let me add some more. <laughs> then she did her fellowship in pediatric emergency medicine here in H-Town at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, Texas. But like I said, she's like, no, nah, that's not enough, right? Now she is the medical director at a community hospital in Pennsylvania. Like I said, she's like, now that's not enough, right? <laughs> she is the founder and CEO of Premier Pediatric Solutions, where she focused on improving children's health in our community ER and urgent cares. And she also gives family the tools they need to gain healthy literacy for the kids. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about the one and only, my sister doc, Dr. Alana Arno. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, Dr. <laughs> Such hey. a beautiful, warm welcome. Thank you so much. Very excited to be here. I mean, okay, so how long have we been trying to do this? For like a year and a half now? Yeah, it's, it's about uh, nearly three years working on the consulting and slowly I'm not piecing about me. You. Oh, oh, yes. A year, podcast. literally almost a year to the day. It was last May. Last oh May. my goodness. <laughs> yes. And we finally did it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we finally did it. The schedules are crazy. Schedules, schedules are crazy. Are crazy. It's two ER docs trying to schedule together. <laughs> now you guys understand our lives. Alrighty. So I know we, you know, have we're going to get into talking about Premier Pediatric Solutions. But before we get there, let's, you know, help everybody out to get to know you a little bit better. So let's talk about that. What made you decide to go into medicine and be a doctor in the first place? So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so um, ever since I was younger, I always enjoyed school. Um, mm -hmm. I was pretty social, but always did very well in math and science. And as I was probably like 10 or 11, I was thinking about, okay, what career would I want to go into where mm -hmm. I can make a difference, be fulfilled, but also meet all types of people. I, I'm a people person. 
And oh, so okay. um, thinking about that, I thought, okay, being, being a doctor would be a good fit because you meet all types of people um, and crosses all cultures, age, gender, everything. And so I thought that that would be a really good fit for me um, to allow my personality to really shine and come out. Love it, love it, love it. So you went based on personality. You're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm a people's person. I like meeting people. Yeah. Where can I just meet people and it'll be acceptable? To exactly. Like, talk, talk to people, right? Exactly. A little mingle and, and do, do good for the world. So I thought that this would be right up my alley to Absolutely. use my brain as, as well as um, enjoy just meeting all types of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alrighty. So I love that. Now, you know, this is another question I always ask everyone because during our training, we have rotations of many different specialties, but mm -hmm. you chose pediatrics. Some people go exit stage. Level yes, pediatrics. absolutely. You were like, it's not I'm for everybody. Not, it's <laughs> not for everyone. But you know, you were like, this is it. This is it for me. So tell us, how did you decide on it? And what is it that drew you to pediatrics? Yeah, so um, when I was in medical school, I, I have a lot of different interests. I love traveling, for example. Mm -hmm. And so right off the bat, I said, okay, I do not want to be in a specialty where I'm on call. And mm -hmm. so uh, when I did my ER rotation, I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, I like uh, being able to meet, again, a variety of people. You never know who's coming through the door. Um, you have a lot of difference in terms of the pathology that you'll mm -hmm. see. Um, it's a good mix of, of things in that regard. And then you also get to do procedures. I really like working with my hands. Um, I was like, being a surgeon is a no-go because I want that work-life balance. So I thought this, this should be pretty good. But after I did my ER rotation, I thought I, I love the medicine, I um, love the procedures, but adults, really not feeling the adults, you know, like, <laughs> kind of complaining all the time sometimes they're making up symptoms just to like malinger and i just felt like this probably will not fit my personality long term mm -hmm. so then i had my pediatrics rotation and i absolutely adore kids um kids are they tell it to you straight they're honest they're fun loving yes, they, they don't right they don't hold anything back they will they will look you right in the face and insult you like whatever <laughs> you know everybody can get it yes. um, they are very resilient um, mm -hmm. and especially, you know, the average child, I felt that when they do come to the ER, um, the, the family or the caregiver, they have their best intentions in mind, right? So a lot of times it was more fulfilling for me to be able to see the child, um, have a good conversation, build rapport with the family, be able to treat them and then be confident that I'm helping this child go on to lead a full and happy life, hopefully. So those types of things really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I found it. I'm going to do pediatric ER. I'll be able to do my shift work, um, do procedures, have variety in the medicine that I'll see, but mm -hmm. I'll be doing it for kids. Um, really fun. I mean, who doesn't like a cute baby, right? So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so I thought that pediatric ER was, was the best um, route for me and, and a good mix of those things. I love it. I love it. No, you're right. Those kids, they're honest. <laughs> they're honest. Doc, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not about to do that. And it's like, I'm a not about to do that. Like, yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's also this joy when you see a, a child, they're coming in, they're not feeling so well, mm -hmm. but you know, and then you're able to help, like say it's something like maybe a fever yeah. that you're able to bring the fever down and you know, you come back and they're playing. 
Absolutely. And it, you know, and it's a whole, like, whole 180. It's great. Absolutely. It's really, Very really, rewarding. really enjoyable. Absolutely. All right. So now, you know, we found out like why you decided to do the extra three years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and train in emergency <laughs> medicine after doing the first three in yeah. training in pediatrics. So that's one thing I really would love to highlight. And I thought about this before even coming on that a lot of people, when they hear like, you know, the pediatric emergency doc and, you know, they're not realizing the intensity of training that goes yeah. in to become a pediatric ER. You're thinking like, oh, they just did ER. Like us adult ER, we're like, all right, boom, three years, <laughs> love you, right. good to go. Now to learn more and get more in-depth training to take care of these um, kids, you know, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's at least three additional years of training. So Absolutely. when you go, for those of you who are in medicine or you're not in medicine, right? So you're going to the pediatric ER. Keep in mind that person has put in intense training to take yeah. care of your loved one. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. Yes. I appreciate uh, you saying that. It's like, you know, it's, it's a labor of love. That's the way to put yes, it. Yes, absolutely. To, to do the specialized training to make sure that we feel confident and comfortable with all the pathology, how to approach the patients, all of that. Yes, absolutely. Alrighty. So now, you know, we're there. <laughs> and, but there's this bug because you're like, like I said, there's more, you know, there's yeah. more. So before we get directly into um, Premier Pediatrics, there's something that you mentioned that we're, you know, what I said we're going to talk about, which is pediatric readiness. Mm -hmm. So can you just let us know what, what is um, pediatric readiness for those who might be like, yes. I don't know what you're talking about, ready to read? No. <laughs> <But let's> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So pediatric readiness is essentially the capability of a facility, a medical facility, ER, mm -hmm. urgent care, hospital, to be able to take care of any child that they see. So that means mm -hmm. having the medical knowledge, that means having proper equipment and protocols to follow to make sure that that child receives the best care possible. And mm -hmm. so pediatric readiness is a huge hot topic because in the setup for most ERs, unfortunately, the majority of uh, clinicians like yourself You've done your residency, but you haven't had the specialized training for pediatrics. Absolutely. And so it's really a disservice to you guys, right? Because you're seeing kids sometimes that you might not feel as comfortable with because you haven't had the benefit of that extra training. Mm -hmm. And so in recent years, it's been a big movement to say, how can we better become pediatric ready in all of these facilities mm -hmm. across the nation? So if you think about it, less than 10% of hospitals in the U.S. are dedicated children's hospitals. So that yeah. means the vast majority of kids, about 80, 85% of them, when they seek medical care, they're going to facilities, their nearest ER and urgent care that might not have these clinicians who have done the subspecialized training, such as pediatric fellowship. So mm -hmm. pediatric readiness is, is a buzzword where you want to make sure that the facility is ready to care for the child like fully medically proper equipment protocols mm -hmm. and all that in place absolutely i know someone is um typing in the chat um there's a rise in pediatric er's now actually there's the opposite <laughs> absolutely yeah yes. it is so there might be freestanding pediatric urgent care yep. that are popping up but the pediatric emergency rooms have been closing at an alarming rate yes, over yes. the last few years. Mm -hmm. And um, the concern, yeah, the concern um, that is that Dr. Arnold is here telling us about 
is that the adult ER doctors, we get training in pediatrics, but not extensive training Correct. in pediatric Correct. emergencies. Yeah. So those who are pediatric emergency medicine trained, like we just said, they're six three years. years. Yeah. So they've yeah. done three additional years dedicated only to pediatric emergencies. So with that, when um, the pediatric ERs are closing and then the, you know, it's where adult ER is an ER, you end up having to take care of pediatric patients. Is mm -hmm. that a problem? No. When it's a well exactly. enough, but when they're critically ill and it's a little bit out of your wheelhouse, then there's becomes uncomfortable because mm -hmm. you as a doctor, you're worried about not, you know, you're worried about the patient. Are you doing the right thing? And that's what the pediatric readiness that you're discussing is there to highlight how to get these places ready so that they can take care of these pediatric emergencies. Yes. And, and to mm -hmm. your point, um, you know, as you well know, like ASAP, mm -hmm. AAP, all of these national organizations, they've discussed this, they have done papers about it. And just several years ago, they found that only about 51% of ERs were pediatric ready, you know, that mm -hmm. that's only half of the ERs. And mm -hmm. so it's certainly not enough given kids will go to every ER and urgent care that's closest. And so it's a really big issue because, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, if it's a well child coming in with a cold or a sprained ankle, whatever, no problem. Easy peasy. But when you have medically complex kids coming in just because it's the closest facility or if you have something, especially with neonates, young babies, mm -hmm. where you guys don't have the specialized training because, you know, the physiology is completely different, as you know. Mm -hmm. So it can be very, very challenging. And that's where you see increased rates of morbidity and mortality because the clinicians don't have the tools to care for those kids. And also from the financial side, um, huge, huge amounts of litigation, malpractice and healthcare costs on the order of like $250 million each year is spent on pediatric litigation. So mm -hmm. both financially and clinically, it's really, really um, a huge issue for the emergency medicine system in the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now we're also talking about like the health disparities in the children. What are some of the that you're seeing that you would love to mm -hmm. highlight for those who probably are not thinking about it? like we know mm -hmm. that there is health disparities, but like, hmm, yeah, you know, what's going on? Yes. Um, so as as we know that there are huge um, issues in terms of racial differences with the outcomes for these children. For example, uh, a black child is seven times more likely to die from asthma compared to their white counterpart. Asthma is one of the mainstays of a pediatric ER visit, one of the most common things we see. So there are huge disparities in terms of outcome, as well as just even access to care. It's mm -hmm. not uncommon that um, the caregiver, I might see them come into the ER and the child is critically ill because mm -hmm. it hasn't registered those early signs of illness, or they are not able to get an appointment with their pediatrician, things like that. So that affects black and brown populations disproportionately compared to white populations. And that leads to, um, or at least contributes in part to these worst outcomes that we see. Certainly there are issues uh, with obesity as well that have been on the rise in the past few years. Um, it's certainly at epidemic levels in the pediatric population. 
again, you know, we could go on and on, but um, factors that contribute to it are not only certainly genetics, but also access to appropriate food. You know, mm -hmm. there's the concept of food deserts and whatnot in urban centers where you quite literally don't have access to healthy food. You mm -hmm. might have um, corner stores, little bodegas, things like that with heavily um, processed food, fast mm -hmm. food, um, high sodium content, on and on, where mm -hmm. the caregiver simply does not have access to good nutrition. And so that's a huge issue in terms of obesity, in mm -hmm. terms of uh, increasing comorbidities for the kids and poor clinical outcomes as they go into adolescence and into adulthood. And mm -hmm. something I want to highlight is that, you know, if the kids aren't doing well, if they're not healthy, they're only going to grow into sick adults that you're going to be seeing. And right. so that's why a lot of pediatrics focuses on preventative care, mm -hmm. advocacy, and health education. Because if the, the mainstay for a pediatrician, the, the mission is to help nurture that child grow into a healthy adult. And right. if you are not doing that, it's just going to be a snowball of effect a cascade of effect to mm -hmm. have a sicker adult when all of these things are missed in their um, childhood. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as you mentioned, um, the goal of the pediatrician is to really, like you said, to help the um, child to grow into a healthy adult. And mm -hmm. we see it when um, there's a transition between mm -hmm. the pediatric phase and the adult phase and the child's you know, like say even if asthma, asthma that's not being controlled, not recognizing the symptoms, not even realizing that there is a point of control in it yep. versus just managing, dealing with it. Like yeah. the inhaler alone is not the control. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Like concepts of, I, I talk to the residents every mm -hmm. time I see them because in the ER, and I'm, I'm sure you practice this as well, Dr. Bedford, mm -hmm. it's like, you often are the only point of contact for their medical care. Mm -hmm. So even though it's fun to do the cool procedures, like if you wanna do your job thoroughly, sometimes you are acting as their general physician. Mm -hmm. And so you always have to make sure as best you can, okay, what is their understanding of this illness they have? So if someone comes in with an asthma flare, do they understand what controller medications are. So many times mm -hmm. I have patients mixing up controller medications with the rescue medication. Mm -hmm. I, I had a patient not long ago, he's about 15, has been diagnosed with asthma for nearly 10 years, mm -hmm. and he didn't know the difference between the two. He's mm -hmm. like, you are the first doctor to tell me the difference between these two medications, because he was just taking it willy-nilly. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because, um, you know, if if he hadn't come in that day and we had a chance to speak, as you said, he's just going to continue this path and become a sicker adult with, with another uncontrolled um, medical condition. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, I had a discussion with another doc um, earlier, um, Dr. Renee, who she herself has really bad asthma as mm. a child. And she said, with just the understanding of that and her now it's, it's controlled. You know, mm -hmm. she's been able to control it, but it was access to understanding. Her mom's a respiratory therapist. Yeah. So, you know, so understanding the difference between the rescue, the maintenance mm -hmm. on medicine, the one to maintain, to prevent the attack when, you know, it's like right. living with the tight chest consistently is not. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't know what normal is. Right. Yeah. That's not right. that, you know, that's not what we want. 
Yeah. Alrighty. So we understand that like sick children and the being sick adults. So preventing by um, having an understanding of your illness, treating, and just really mm -hmm. an awareness of what's going on, an awareness of the um, the situation overall. You know, like we said about even diet, nutrition, food desert. Yeah. Why is this considered a food desert? Because even growing up in the um, urban areas, bodegas are. The, I mean. Yeah, the, that's where you, you go. For yeah, get the quarter water. Yeah, I don't even think people know what quarter water is. I asked somebody <laughs> down here in Houston, and they were like, "What is the?" Yeah, they're like, water? "What is that?" No, yeah, no, it's it's true. Like you know, kids, it's like, all right, you have five dollars for the day, and it's like on your way, you stop at the corner store. Literally, mm -hmm. growing up in the Northeast in Philly, for me, it was like mm -hmm. you would get like a mug, you know, the little soda water things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bag of chips, maybe a little pastry thing, and that that was your breakfast. And you mm -hmm. imagine you're doing that every single day. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not gonna um, be be good for your health. No, absolutely. So I mean, at at some point you're gonna overload your body, right? Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. It's now what we consider. Oh, this is a treat. That's what I tell my kids. No, 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 no. This is a treat. This is not your way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. This is not the usual. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Wow. So um. All right. So now you know. Because of all that we talked about, you decided like enough is enough. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you have, you know, you are the CEO and founder of the Premier Pediatric Solutions. When did you decide like enough is enough? I need to help because obviously th this is something that one needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. They're not realizing people aren't realizing like the importance of it. And uh, that, like, what is it that Premier um, Solutions, Pediatric Solutions, is here to help us with? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's um, there are two components that we focus on. The first, uh, let me answer the first part. Mm -hmm. It was when I was at my prior job, it was the first time I was at a community hospital. Previously, mm -hmm. I had always worked at children's hospitals. Mm -hmm. That means everybody there has pediatric training dedicated children's facilities. And mm -hmm. so when I had a position working in the community, it was the first time I saw the stark contrast. I saw what it looked like to not be pediatric ready. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I, I'd say this wholeheartedly. It is not um, because they're bad clinicians. It's because they have not been given the tools to succeed. So just like I would not be performing open heart surgery on someone because I don't have the specialized training, yeah. it's unfair to these clinicians to kind of throw them without any guidance, without proper medical protocols to care for kids mm -hmm. because they're seeing a volume of children, but they don't have any oversight. Mm -hmm. And so when I was working in the community and I saw uh, these poor clinical outcomes, I saw that, you know, there are huge, huge issues with the care that the kids were receiving. I said, there has to be a better way because the medical knowledge that I have, the medical training that I have, how can I leverage that to help these clinicians care better for the children that they're seeing and mm -hmm. also help try to rein in these uh, insane healthcare costs. There's on the order of over $480 million spent each year in unnecessary transfers for pediatric care, mm -hmm. just because they may be coming from a facility that's not pediatric ready. Mm -hmm. One prime example is a kid sticks something in their nose. They do this all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So they stick something in their nose, they go to an ER, and the clinician doesn't have the training to you know, approach and interact with, say, a three-year-old. But mm -hmm. also, 
they don't know that they need a certain size um, alligator or device to retrieve the the foreign body from the nose. And so what do they do? It's reasonable. They're going to have to transfer them. Mm-hmm. That transfer can cost two, three, four thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. They come to me and I take it out in one minute. The family is annoyed and pissed because they've had to wait for a transfer. Mm-hmm. And also it's burdening the healthcare system with exorbitant expenses. So all of these things, I said, all right, there has to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And so the consulting focuses on two areas, the health system, where we help clinicians improve their pediatric readiness. So that entails having proper access to protocols that are vetted mm-hmm. and standardized from state-of-the-art children's hospitals throughout the nation, making sure they have proper equipment and supplies on hand. Children come in all different sizes and you have to be ready and doing kind of inventory checks. And then critically, going through medical simulations and trainings with the staff so they feel more comfortable with the children they may see. Because as you know, if you are in the ER setting, you have to be ready for everything. You might get 100 normal well babies, and that one day, that septic four-day-old will come in, and you will not know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that, that is where that life and death kind of fight or flight comes in, and you want to feel comfortable to at least initially start the treatment and, and training for them. So mm-hmm. that, that encompasses the healthcare systems, that, the work that we do. We're also in the process of developing a web app to help bring some of those pediatric protocols to the fingertips of the clinicians. As you know, it can be very hectic in the ER. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, um, what, what antibiotics should I be giving to a septic two-week-old, right? Yeah. Like it might be a while since you had a kid like that. Mm-hmm. And instead of floundering on up to date or Google, this mm-hmm. web app is going to be able to bring the proper protocols to the clinicians in real time so that it's basically like a super encyclopedia for pediatric protocols. The second component that we focus on is the health education. And this is really direct to families, um, moms, caregivers, to help them with that health literacy for their child. A lot of the questions that I receive are from families that um, don't feel like they can trust their clinician that they see, um, Mm -hmm. their pediatrician, for example. They don't have access to having appointments in a timely fashion. And so when they come into the ER, they want to feel heard and understood. And so I found that these families are craving actually information. They don't Mm -hmm. know where to go. They don't have resources. And so we are launching actually direct to family, direct to parent content around health education for their kids. So what is a fever? How to manage a fever? First aid kits that you need in the house. Um, ingestions and poison control. All of these uh, topics that come up time and time again that mm-hmm. the families feel uncertain about and they're not being able to receive that information from clinicians. So we're focusing to give them kind of direct information mm-hmm. um, to make sure that they feel comfortable and have the tools to care for their children better. What I love about um, this additional portion that you're um, providing is uh, you know that it's vetted information. So you can go on Google and look things right. up. But have I'll say this. Have you ever gone on Google and typed in someone's name and said, I'd love to see what this person looks like? Mm-hmm. And you've seen like 500 versions and you're like, <laughs> but it might be somebody you know. Now, if you looked up and typed in somebody you know, 
and you just see all of these and you're like, I know that that's not tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That, that's tomorrow. So that's <laughs> just a picture, much less yeah. you're trying to get the health information. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So how are you sure that you are getting the correct info? Now, when yeah. you have something vetted, like what you're talking about, yeah. you know, then you know that you're getting information from a reliable source. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, okay, well, I guess I'll just choose <laughs> No this. guesswork. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's important because we're doing this not just for, um, you know, browsing sake we're doing this for the health of our children absolutely <laughs> so it'll be great to be able to get reliable information that can help you with things like for us as clinicians these are bread and butter but for yeah. you in the public you're probably questioning yourself like what is mm -hmm. a fever like you know when you're coming in and you're saying oh you know my kid had a fever and we're like oh well what was the temperature and he said it was 99 in our minds we're like well the 99 is not a right. fever Right. However, if you're able to get this information, you can see what denote, denotes a fever. Does it mean that we're not concerned about the child? No, but we just want to let you know for information's sake. Yeah. Like, you know, a 99 is degrees, <laughs> not a fever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And a, a lot of it is, you know, the education, I think, is really mm -hmm. important because it makes the families a caregiver feel empowered right yes. to help care for their child they they yes. want to know how to care for their child in the best mm -hmm. way and mm -hmm. so us providing the tools directly to them is um, accomplishing that and allowing them to feel comfortable with their child and kind mm -hmm. of um, triage for themselves okay mm -hmm. the 99 well now i know that that's not a fever let me try to schedule a follow-up with my mm -hmm. pediatrician as opposed yeah. to you know rushing off the deep end and, and getting really concerned so uh, providing the the health education is is going to be a cr critical piece for them to be able to care for their child better. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, alrighty. So we now have in Pediatric Premier Solutions. We have a couple different parts of this wonderful, wonderful um consulting group. So one, you can help the hospitals to become um pediatric ready, which means that. We understand that it's been a while since you've seen this really <laughs> critically ill child. Yeah, yeah. And we also understand that children come in different sizes. Now, I know for us, like, you know, in the emergency room, you know, we have our infamous pediatric crash cart uh -huh, uh -huh. with the different colors yeah. for the Braslow tape people yes. for organizing that and having the different colors coordinated. So. Mm -hmm. It takes the guesswork out, especially during the emergencies when you have to do an airway emergency, mm -hmm. but also being able to recognize the, and have the tools for other um, pediatric um, emergencies that or even urgencies, like we said, yes. like, you know, the foreign body. Because kids love picking stuff up their nose. They do it. They do it all the time. We're looking for alligator cliffs. Anybody? Yeah. When was right. the and last it, time? Exactly. If someone's not aware of the proper inventory to have for kids, mm -hmm. there's no one who's ordering that. They're like, why, why would I order these forceps that are, you know, half centimeter? They're mm -hmm. not going to be ordering that. And then it's like, okay, well, here we are. We got to transfer the kid yes. $5,000 down the drain for the healthcare system and a bill Absolutely. to the family and build to the family. Absolutely. So pediatric readiness is, uh, is a great thing. And then information um, empowerment for mm -hmm. the family. 
definitely um, yes. through this wonderful. And you said that that part is coming. So the pediatric readiness is available. So you're already yes. doing that. And yes. you know, for those who are listening, if you're in in health administration and you're like, ah, uh, you know what? She's right. Yeah, you know, she's available. <laughs> yeah, the way <laughs> the way I tell the healthcare executives is like, mm -hmm. we are pediatric ER in a box. So mm -hmm. all that whole pain point for pediatrics. Just give it to us, contract it with us, outsource it to us. Mm -hmm. We'll take care of the medical trainings, take care of protocols, take care of um, proper vetting of your inventory and supplies. Mm -hmm. Everything pediatric ER related, we're, we're the contractor that you want. Love it, love it, love it. Alrighty, so now with the um, education, the family um, education part, you said that's, some, that's a part that you are rolling out. So that part is yes. coming soon. Yes, yes. And the way that we're going to um, launch that is going to be primarily through our IG and mm -hmm. Facebook. So mm -hmm. Premier Pediatric Solutions. Um, and it's, again, going to be direct to consumer. So any moms, any expecting parents, um, whomever, families in general, um, please uh, go check us out on IG and Facebook at Premier Pediatric Solutions because the way that we're packaging it is is going to be easily consumable and kind of bite sizes. So um, the content will be in a minute with Dr. Alana. So one minute snapshots of medical information that's valuable. Mm -hmm. And if you want to dive deeper, you can subscribe and, and get more content. Love it, love it, love it. Alrighty. So with all of this, I mean, <laughs> Dr. Alana is doing a lot. <laughs> And I told it took us a year for us to finally <laughs> get together. We've been talking about this and trying to get on the show for a while. So what do you do for self-care and um, what do you do to prevent burnout? Yes. Um, good question, because I, I know this is this is your wheelhouse. And yeah. let me just say <laughs> for anyone listening, um, Dr. Beckford is on point. Whatever career you're in, like this is so, so important. You got to mm -hmm. take care of yourself, however that is. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I have always had the travel bug. So mm -hmm. um, COVID was especially hard because I was used to hopping somewhere pretty much every month. It mm -hmm. be somewhere local or stateside or international. Um, I've traveled over 40 countries now, probably closer to 50. Mm -hmm. So travel is something that really, really allows me to reset, uh, disconnect, relax, I love meeting all types of people, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. experiencing different cultures, love different cuisines and food. So travel is something that definitely is part of my self-care routine. Okay. If I'm staying local, um, I'm a fiend for massages. It's like the more that I get, the more that I want them. So like oh, massage, yeah. <laughs> massage and spa day is definitely uh, up my alley. And then just, you know, spending time with friends and family and, um, and also reading. I like to read a lot. It helps uh, settle my mind and have me relax a bit. Love it, love it. So traveling, um, getting massages, reading, and then also the social interaction with mm -hmm. family that really feeds the soul. You know, for, for those of us who love our family, now if you <laughs> yes, yes, if you guys do not get along, it's right, the right. opposite. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you gotta love people from afar. From afar, <laughs> I love you from afar. <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. So now here's my fun question of the day, and I love asking all my docs this question. Now, if you weren't a doctor, pediatrician, mm -hmm. what would you be? It's a good question. Um, I feel like for some reason, I feel like I would be like a restaurateur, like yes. 
opening, yeah, opening restaurants. I, you know, I, I like to cook, but I'm not like some supreme chef, but I love having people come together, enjoy themselves, mm -hmm. probably open a lounge or two, just a place where people can vibe, chill out. So I think a restauranteur and, and lounge uh, type, of, type of mix would fit me. Cool. You're actually my first restaurateur. We mm. have a couple cafe. Yeah, I know we've had some cafe and bakery. Okay. And yeah. So um, that and we have gardeners. So I'm like, hey, you know, oh. get fresh farm to table. Yeah. So bring it on over. The whole, like, you know, <laughs> Dr. Combo thing. We That's what I'm saying. Yes. We got the urban <laughs> planner. Yeah, <laughs> a couple you, you of us are dancers, food. so we'll just dance around. Yeah, no, we, we can map this out. You, you grow the food, somebody will cook it for cook me, it. present it, and then after hours, we got the lounge open for people. There so, we go. boom, 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 there all day go. long. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and we have some travel photographers. So, when we start moving, it's all about yeah. people. See, that's how you do it. Sets, all sets. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> all righty. So, you know, once again, um, we. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we actually were able to put this together and to get us on, you know, yes. together after trying for so long. But <laughs> good thing comes to those who wait. I don't absolutely. know. <laughs> absolutely. I appreciate it very much because I know you're very, very busy. So perfect timing. It was meant oh, to be. It was meant to be. And, you know, again, for those who are watching, um, for those who are listening, those who are like, you know what, Mag, you know, I didn't really catch all of this. Let them know again uh, um, where they can find out about um, Premier Pediatric Solutions and yes. also what you have going on and have coming out because yes. this is very exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, my profile, mm -hmm. Alana Arnold. We have our company page as well, Premier Pediatric Solutions. You mm -hmm. can also catch us on IG and Facebook for mm -hmm. Premier Pediatric Solutions. And also just the Linktree that has all of our content, our website. Um, so Linktree forward slash Premier Pediatric Solutions, as well as the prior podcast that I've been featured on. So it'll give you a nice kind of rounded perspective of what we're doing mm -hmm. and uh, soon to launch the direct-to-consumer in a minute with Dr. Alana content for health education for families for their kids love it love it love it Alrighty, i told you guys it was gonna be good <laughs> i told you it was going to be good you know we do want to thank some of those um who are in the chat i want to thank there's a facebook user that says hey hey you know unfortunately didn't give us the name so hi to you too ah. and then i'd like to also thank valerie claire hi so we were talking about she's been in the chat letting us know that yeah she you know there were some pediatric ERs in a couple different areas that she's seen and then that's when we described that there's actually been less pediatric ERs and um they've been closing but you know hopefully we'll have more readiness because Dr. Alana is out there letting the pediatric or let the emergency and the hospitals know and the urgent care is to become pediatric ready. So in case that emergency comes in, that's a yep. little bit different than your day to day, that you're ready to tackle that. Um, it's like she said, it's a pediatric ER in a box. She was like, absolutely I do everything. Listen, everything you need, in, the inventory, the training, get the staff, get everything ready. Yep. So you guys are good to go. Wonderful, wonderful. So I know some of y'all like, oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness, I didn't catch all of this, but I heard about this pediatric readiness and Premier Pediatric Solutions. Where can I find it? 
have no fear. <laughs> you can get all of this podcast episode on our Your Caring Docs website. Just go to U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S.com, select podcast, and you'll see Dr. Alana's beautiful face. <laughs> Just boom, click listen here and you capture all of this wonderful interview. Now, if you are a doc who are doing amazing things, just like my sister doc here, then yes, we would love to have you on the show. Send me an email at drbeckwithatyourcaringdocs.com to book. We'll get you on. Do keep in mind, we are booked out three months in advance, but now you understand why. You see what you're talking <laughs> about? We have people who are like getting hospitals ready for pediatric emergencies, doing everything for it, helping with the health disparities, educating, our patients and our pediatric families so that they can feel empowered. Now mm -hmm. you understand why sometimes it takes a while because we have so many wonderful doctors just like yourself who are doing amazing things here and inside and outside of the clinical medicine space. Alrighty, Dr. Lana, I'm so glad that we got to connect. Thank Any you. Any last words before we say goodbye to those who are watching or listening? Um, I would say for any clinicians and, and healthcare people, um, please evaluate your pediatric readiness. Um, if you feel shaky or unsure, definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn, Alana Arnold, or you can check out the link tree, as I mentioned, a link tree forward slash premier pediatric solutions that has all of our content. And then lastly, for families, um, please make sure to tune in and catch us on IG and Facebook as well because of the health education content. Um, but just try to be engaged with your child's health as well as uh, mental health. That's critically important. Okay. And um, make sure you make all of your appointments as best you can for your pediatrician um, mm -hmm. and just stay really involved in, in your child's life in terms of health. Because like we've said, if you're able to help your child develop well into adolescence, you'll be producing a lovely adult human being for, for society. Absolutely, absolutely. Healthy children become healthy adults. Yep. Pediatricians help to guide it that way. And then I take the baton. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you so much again for coming on. And thank you thank guys you. for watching and listening. We are so exciting news. We are approaching our 200 guests. I know we're all, wow. we're all around it. Yes, you oh, that's fantastic. So we are, yes, there's so many wonderful doctors, so many wonderful doctor interviews. So we are getting there. I will keep you guys posted and we'll see what we're gonna do for the 200th episode. Yeah, you gotta do some celebration. We gotta have fireworks or something. Okay. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Alrighty, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank <clears throat> you.